Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Italian Wine Podcast is delighted to present a series of highlights from the 2022 Wine to Wine Business Forum, focusing on wine communication and bringing together the most influential speakers in the sectors to discuss the hottest topics facing the wine industry today. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central European Time or visit winetowine.net for more information. Buonasera. Welcome, everybody. My name is Alessio Inama from the Inama family. And today I have the pleasure to introduce Kristen Reitzel. When I heard his name, I was very curious about what she's doing. And I realized that she does so much. And today we're going to talk about just a little part of what she does, right? Uh, we're going to talk about social media in the American market. And the American market is already many markets. And she does communication and PRs and strategies for many brands. And so there's so many layers of what she does. It's interesting because uh, in my family, I manage also marketing and communication and I do it worldwide, but I have a very simple message. It's one winery, few wines, many markets, and we know how to, to talk about it. But when it comes to different levels, different wines, different stories, at that point, I guess, you have to tailor everything, right? So, let's start. Thank you for, that was a good introduction. It reminds me of the many <laughs> things I have to do when I get home from Italy. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about social media. I think that coming from a traditional PR background and having communication as my foundation for everything I do, it was very natural that publicists and PR people find themselves also managing digital marketing, by nature of that, e-commerce, communication, basically in the digital space. And I think that um, digital can include a lot of things. It can include email, it can include websites, but I think social media is really where you find your consumers, it's where there's engagement, it's where the social part of social media truly is. And so um, I was excited to get to focus on a topic, and I was even more excited to get to focus in a marketplace. Um, the U.S. is obviously where I'm from, um, so I know a little bit about it. Um, and I learn. I like to do a lot of, um, I like data, I like insights. Um, I think that you can't rest on those laurels for too long um, because it's always changing. But at the same time, um, you know, you really have to make sure whatever you're doing is really paying attention to the consumer, where they are, what they want to do, what they want to see, and ultimately, like, how your brand fits into their life and meeting them where they are. And the expectation has really shifted of, like, you have to meet them a little bit more where they are, and they're, they're expecting that from you. They're not going to always come find you, but they're definitely looking, and they're always interested in discovery. So having managing a portfolio of over 40 wineries worldwide, um, everything from very large wineries like Kendall Jackson, which is, was founded 40 years ago and the foundation of the Jackson family portfolio, all the way up to um, La Coya. We have a winery um, here in Tuscany, um, but we are in the northern and the southern hemisphere and very vineyard-based company. Um, so we have a lot of stories to tell. And so when you're looking at how do you manage that, 
we, one, take a very holistic approach to that. Um, and we kind of break it down by the three C's. And I felt like that would be a really good way to talk to everyone about an approach to social media, particularly focused on how to really activate and drive impact in the U.S. And the three C's, it's pretty simple. It's the consumer. Can't do anything without the consumer. You know, this is where the strategy is based. This is what we want to activate against. And this is who we want to talk to. It's content. I always say it's very hard to post something on social media if you don't have anything to post. So this is when I say the word content, I'm talking like photos, videos, text, copy, pretty much anything that can be a visual or written piece of content. So we're doing a lot of content. As you can imagine, if you can't post something without a piece of content, imagine how often you're creating new, unique, interesting pieces of content. Everything from like beautifully stylized pieces of content to like off the cuff way more laid back, really getting real, and um, kind of what I like to say is like getting a little gritty. As someone said yesterday, I was very much like, yes, you got to get a little more gritty nowadays. Um, community, again, that's the social part of social media. This is anyone. This can be your local wine community. This can be the trade. This can be media. And then ultimately, yes, it can also be your consumers. Um, and then conversion. I think that conversion has come up in a topic around social media so much more, particularly in the last three years, as there was this huge shift throughout the pandemic of people moving and being a lot more comfortable, discovering, engaging, and buying, particularly buying wines online. And there's new avenues opening up with that every single day. So where are we going next? Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at wine2wine.net. So let's just talk a little bit about the consumer. They're at the center of our strategy. We can't do a lot without them. Um, so we're going to start here. And what I think is really important is to take a step back and almost think about yourself as someone that digests probably a lot of content on social media every day, be it outside the wine industry with like, maybe you're really into shoes, maybe you're really into fashion, you're into watches, whatever you're into. And like, think about how you resonate with brands like that. And, you know, where are you coming from as a consumer? What kind of content do you like to, to receive when you receive information that's really irrelevant to you? And you're like, why am I getting this? Um, how you have that reaction. Just think about that as you're also putting content out for your winery because relevancy is really important, followed by authenticity. Um, that being said, um, let's talk a little bit. It wouldn't be a marketing presentation without some, like, some stats, some graphs, some charts. Um, don't worry, the graph is coming later. Um, but just with some stats, I think that when you, you're looking at the American consumer, they're consuming... 13 hours of traditional and digital media every single day. So when you think about that, like almost every waking hour, um, they're digesting some type of media. And so different generations digest it differently. Um, they look for it differently. Um, but that's a lot when you think about it. And now you're probably thinking to yourself, is that me? Like, am I digesting that much media on a regular basis? You probably are. It's gotten to be a little subliminal at times, but you're probably doing it. Um, so knowing that people are being bombarded with content, it's also important to keep that in mind. Like, how do you stand out? So these are all kind of questions. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions that hopefully you're starting to ask yourselves. Um, but then, there it is. So yeah. But let's look at the consumer landscape. Um, so you've probably heard a lot about Gen Z, 
millennials, Gen X, and boomers. Um, these are all the four primary generational groups, and they're all still, these are all active wine buyers, okay? So like Gen Z is getting into it. They're very young. Uh, millennials, very important group. Um, they just surpassed boomers as the largest group, um, most active buying wine. Um, but you know, they're all motivated differently. And as generations age, some of their behaviors change, but they're usually rooted very much in how they were raised and what was going on in the world around them. Um, so there's always these differences with generations, but there's also a lot of commonalities. Um, the little things that we like to pay attention to is like Gen Z, on average, apparently it takes them eight seconds to decide whether or not something is worth their time and whether or not they're going to keep diving deep into that. So that's really fast. Um, and social media is very much set up to like be quick and quick and easy for them. Um, they also really right now are very focused on, they want to have a positive impact on the world around them. So do that through paying a little bit more attention to like, well, what's that product that I'm buying doing when like I'm not looking. Um, so this is where you might see a lot of that. Um, remember in the US, you have to be 21 to buy wine. So we're, we're kind of always looking at that 21 year old and above. Um, like I said, Gen Z, quite young still, um, but it's never too early to start talking to someone about wine, um, knowing they're gonna be around for a lot longer. Um, and eventually they're gonna become your primary buying audience. Uh, millennials are the digital generation. They are the most equipped to basically look for brands online. 85% of them buy online. Um, they have no uneasiness here. Um, and they're also, you know, come 2020, um, they basically are the highest represented group um, in this generation that is buying wine and buying everything, as a matter of fact. So we talk about millennials a lot. A lot of it has to do with the fact that there's just a lot of buying power there. Um, and Gen X and boomers, I think what's nice is that, you know, you can read all the different ways that they like to consume media and where they like to play. Again, that mix of traditional and digital still is really important. Um, but I always look at Gen X and boomers. And in 2002, when this thing happened against the world, across the world, and it was the pandemic, um, we also made a lot of mis like a lot of assumptions that like, oh, they just they don't want to be online. They're a little uneasy on social. They don't want to buy one online or, you know, boomers are never going to buy online. To be honest, like that really did change because they had to adjust and you're starting to see like growth patterns with boomers on social media, buying more wine online because they got comfortable with it and they're not going to abandon something that was easy for them. That was like, why wouldn't I do this? This is actually really convenient for me. Um, so you're seeing a lot of that. What I think is nice about that is we don't have to use that as an excuse anymore. Like you can actually digitally go after like older audiences um, because they are getting, they're savvy now. They know what they're doing. Um, you know, they buy a little bit less, but um, they're still, they're still available to us from a social media perspective. Um, so kind of jumping down into the actual digital platforms, I get asked this a lot, like, where do I start? Where do I play? Where should I spend my time? Um, to be honest, it's no surprise the majority of that is on Meta, which is basically Facebook and Instagram, um, and then YouTube. They have the most tools. They're very set up like a media company. Um, they want you to spend your money there. They want to give you tools to target the audiences that you feel like are going to be the most effective for your brand. Um, they want to make it easy on us. Like we are, in their eyes, like we're a meal ticket. Um, people are not seen as that. And so we you know, we kind of play in more of that ad space. And I'll get into a little bit more on that in a couple slides. Um, but there's also other platforms. So like Twitter, I did this presentation like a week ago. <laughs> Lots happened with Twitter lately. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, I jokingly was like, yeah, this is great. It's like media critics. It's where you can have like quick conversations. It's really good for trade. And then I'm like, if you're not on Twitter, I just think you should sign up for an account and like get some popcorn and just watch it. Like whatever is going to happen there. Um, it's crazy. Um, but you know what? Like, what happened six months ago and was like a presentation I gave six months ago on social media has completely changed because things have changed very fast in this industry. Um, not at like a Richter scale of this guy that made electric cars and sent people to space buying a kind of older platform for uh, digital communication. But hey, I'm like, I'm ready for it. Let's go. Um, Pinterest. I don't know. How many people are on Pinterest in this room? Yeah, it's like a few. It serves like a very specific purpose, right? Like it's inspiration. It's ideas. Um, there's actually a really great place for brands that have maybe more rich culinary programs or have some like a lifestyle play, um, does a lot of like holiday promotion. Um, this is where people like get ideas for that. So if that's something that like fits into your brand, Pinterest is actually a really cool niche place to be that not a lot of wine brands plan if they, cause you have to kind of have that, that lifestyle angle to your brand. Um, LinkedIn, this is, it's a business platform, but it absolutely serves a purpose. You can, you can do paid ads on LinkedIn. Fun fact. Um, there's and so if you have a big strong B2B business, like people ask me about corporate gifting all the time, that's somewhere you can actually um, really drive a lot of impact in sales. And then TikTok. I hope everyone was able to see Amanda's presentation yesterday um, around TikTok. This is an area as a winery is is a little harder for us. So we are currently, I just talked to my head of legal yesterday. He said, I have bad news for you. No, you can still not be on TikTok as a winery. I was like, okay call you next week. Um, but this is really important platform because I think if you listen to kind of the, the feedback Amanda was giving, it's fast growing. It's really digestible content. There's a lot of opportunity here. So I think it's really important to pay attention to this and be, you know, willing and able and ready. Because if you look at the way Instagram's responding to that through Reels, Reels has become the most basically favored piece of content on Instagram to compete with TikTok. And you can really grow a lot of organic content through reels. So reels are a good thing. But if you look at that, like it's really trying to mimic what's working somewhere else. Um, and we're finding a lot of success there. So like the second it's a green light, I think wineries should jump and really get on there. But if you aren't able to do that yet, or if you're not quite comfortable kind of taking that leap from some of the restrictions and some of the guidelines that you saw, um, and you can read it on their, their website, I do think you can still play in this world through influencers and through content creators and through your winemaker, through your brand ambassador. I'm like, Alicio, like, just get on there, stand in a vineyard, just say, hi, this is my vineyard. And everyone will eat, like, education will be That's eaten easy. up. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Get on TikTok. And so I, mean, I do think you can. You can play there. Many people ask me, um, I'm not capable of doing that. I said, just start. I mean, it's not that difficult. Just stand there, talk what you have to talk, and tell your story. Yeah. It's just talking. Just TikToking. Just do it quickly. Um, so that said, the other question I get all the time, and I, I, I like to throw out the I always like to throw out the pushbacks I get most often in my job. People just don't people really aren't influenced digitally. Like people not in wine, like they're gonna they need to go to the vineyard. They need to go to the tasting room. Like who's finding wine on social media and actually converting. Well, the good news is the wine has the biggest opportunity to it. And 78% of uh, sales are digitally influenced. Um, and I think if you look at a third of all Americans, you know, bought wine online in the past six months, not the past like 20 years, but in the past six months, um, we're seeing 
just slow upticks of more people playing here. And I think when I say that we're digitally influenced, like we're talking about social media, we're talking, there's other ways to do that, but like social media is this huge opportunity to digitally influence people to discover your brand, to engage with your brand, purchase it online, but also purchase it in a restaurant, pick it off the shelf at a retailer. And so I do think social media can also serve as a conduit into like traditional places that we all know people buy and enjoy wine, be that at a wine bar, be that a retailer. And I think that's where it's really important to know that like people are learning and discovering wines in this place. And it is absolutely driving their purchasing decision because it makes them feel more confident about that decision. And like beer has like a lot of work to do, obviously. So I'm actually really want to dig into why it's so low. Um, so next slide is have a goal. It's always a really good place to start too. Um, so we just say, this is kind of the backbone is like your social strategy. Um, so this is when like all my digital marketers get in a room, they're like, what is our goal? Most of the time it's brand awareness because brand awareness can really drive a lot of things, um, that lead to, you know, club recruitment, e-commerce sales, event, ticket sales, evergreen engagement, um, just discoverability. So these are all different like goals that I would put on a social media plan for a brand. Um, and I think what's really important is like, this is, it's not in necessarily order, but I would say like awareness is a big part of that. Um, your head of finance might like hate that phrase because they're like, but where's the ROI? And I'm like, just wait for it. I don't have it right now. Um, and it's hard sometimes to connect the dots and, but you have to believe that like, if someone doesn't know anything about your brand, it's very often like, they're not probably going to pick that one out of all the other brands. And so being able to influence them in that digital space where 78% of people are influenced digitally to then go buy a new wine or try something. This is where it's like that brand awareness piece of it is really important. And it's okay if that's your primary goal. Um, with that. Remember I said I have a fancy little graph? Well, here you go. Um, so the budget conversation. So I mentioned to everyone earlier that Meta, which is Facebook and Instagram, is a media company. Um, and we're a bit, we're, brands are their meal ticket. This is how they monetize. This is how they make money. They are not hiding this secret. Um, people spend billions of dollars a year on advertising um, with Facebook and with Instagram. You can advertise across all the other platforms too. Um, this is obviously the big one, but... Like I said, you can do ads on LinkedIn. You can you can do ads on Twitter. I maybe see how that all goes for a little while. Um, but organic content, and it breaks my heart to say this, like it's just, it's not enough. You can't, if you're just doing organic content, you're doing a lot of work for very little visibility. And for me, that's why I say it breaks my heart because I know how much work it takes to create content um, because we create it all day long and every day. And it is really sad when I see all of these pieces of content that aren't getting the reach that I know they could get if you just put a little bit of behind it. And so there's a lot of brands out there that put millions of dollars behind advertising, right? So a lot of people, I think like, I can't afford to advertise on Facebook. I can tell you right now that I have run campaigns with like the equivalent of hundred euros just to get that little extra oomph to reach 10, 20, 30, 50,000 more people. And it works. Because I can see them going to the website. I can always have that call to action. Like, what do you want them to do with this piece of content? Like, do you want to send them somewhere so you can track a little bit of its success? But it is really important. That's why I always tell people, I'm like, even a little bit can go a long way. Because if you look at sort of this trending chart, this is the chart of a media company that wants to make money. 
organic content performs poorly year after year because they want brands to spend money. And so if you look at this, unfortunately, you know, less than 1%, there always are exceptions to that, particularly on um, Instagram. You can get up to like 8% reach on your um, organic content. But for the most part, like it's pretty small. Um, I think what's great about adding a little bit more oomph to your content, even if it's a little bit of money, um, you're reaching new consumers. It's not your follower base. Followers is vanity metrics now. We don't even use it in our measurement of success when we're reporting out our social platforms um, because you really don't have to have someone follow your brands to see your content now um, because of the way the algorithm works. And it's going to start feeding content that they think they're interested in. And sometimes that like little sponsored content piece um, will get someone engaged and then the organic can hopefully do its work and kind of work its way in there as well. All right, moving on. I'm going to give you some examples. I think examples help. Um, I was jokingly saying you should just get on TikTok and start talking. Americans will eat it up. Um, but we, I grew up in wine country in California. I take advantage of that every day, but I also kind of forget how special it is. Um, I think that it's a dream. And I think that the number, the number one thing that Italian producers have at their fingertips is like this, this like gift that you can give people is like, making one of the most beautiful places in the world this like virtual like virtual dream come true to consumers like simply showing them the landscape the winery who your people are letting them like learn a little bit more about you americans have this like fantasy about the italian wine country and the italian lifestyle and whether that's like exactly how it is or not Use it to your advantage. And I think that the one thing we have the opportunity to do is really bring this like dream alive for consumers. I always tell people in California, the top two visited places in the state are Disneyland and Napa Valley. Those are very different experiences <laughs> for very different reasons, people coming to the state of California. And I think it's because like people save their whole life to visit wine country um, and to see other things like the Taj Mahal and like wine country, you know, these things like Big Ben and wine country. And so I think it's really important to like remember that asset that you have that is quite literally out your front door. And if you don't know where to start, like start there. And so this is just a good example of like, this is just evergreen engagement, right? This is just what we have at our fingertips every single day. And it's, it's gold. So don't think it's, don't think it's like, oh, no one wants to see this. Everyone sees this. No, they don't. They want to see it. Like it could be a leaf like blowing in the wind. They'll eat it up. Your, your Italian accents are very popular in America. I'm just going to say it. Um, be okay. It's okay. Um, so anyway, so this is also a little bit about markets. I think if anyone attended um, Bruce Anderson, um, uh, he, him and Allison talked about like those big markets. They'd like to see if you, you import to those markets. That's a big plus for submissions to Wine Spectator. So, you know, that's like California, Texas, New York, um, I think Illinois, Florida, Am I missing any? Yeah, it's like the same, like five to seven every single year, forever. Um, but it's really okay if like, even with a budget, um, we call it geotargeting. If you don't have a big budget, it's also okay to like really focus in where you feel like you can make those most impact. So if you're importing a tiny amount of wine and you're only sending that to Texas and California, that's okay. Like we actually, they give you the tools to just focus on some sponsored content in those markets. And I think that, you can have it be, you can have it be just really specific to like what are those wines that are there, 
right? And so I think like that kind of focused content can really go a long way because it's so hyper-targeted to what you're trying to reach and what you're trying to activate against and letting people know we're in this market, you can find our wines, um, showing them the label so that if you, maybe you are on a retail shelf that like some starts to become more recognizable to them, but you don't have to go after the entire American audience. And I highly don't recommend doing that. Like think about where you are, but then also like maybe where you want to be or where you think your biggest opportunity is, um, to really drive awareness to help with that kind of follow through conversion. Um, and then next a little bit about kind of tasting room visitation, word of mouth, and like utilizing influencers to really kind of help that third-party content development. Um, so one thing that we realized with some of our smaller wineries, um, this is Maggie Hawk. It's in Anderson Valley, which is a pretty small kind of region in California. It does a lot of Pinot and Chard more Chardonnay now, some sparkling wine. Um, the one thing we realized is that we don't have a lot of content for some of our brands. And so we use influencers a lot for this to just, just create content. And the double kind of benefit of that is that they're sharing that content to this like micro audience or this audience of people that really do believe in what they are saying and take their recommendations seriously. And it's a good double win. I mean, we get to use that content. It helps us tell our story. Influencers are not unlike the media. It's just a different platform with a different audience where it might be a reader, it's a follower where it's a journalist, it's a person. Um, it's short-form content, maybe versus long-form content. So I don't think, like, think, and when you build kind of these campaigns with them, like, just think about what you're trying to accomplish. If it's just showing them a region, showing them how to book a visit, if it's whatever it is, just um, use them to kind of help tell your story, and you get that third-party validation, and you get to take advantage of their audience. Um, but a lot of this is really focused on aligning it with your brand, cultivating relationships. And this objective, we just wanted to drive tasting room visitation. And so we did campaigns with about six influencers. Um, we ended up booking probably 50 new consumers into the tasting room over our focus period, which was when it's like nice and sunny in the area. We had just opened our tasting rooms. So like no one knew we were there. So like telling them we were there was really helpful. Um, but yeah, it was all new consumers. So it's people that had never heard of Maggie Hawk before. And then the last one is the thing that I get asked the most now, and that's e-commerce sales. Um, so we are a little bit challenged in the U.S. because we're not allowed to um, just say, hey, buy a wine.com or buy here, buy there. Um, you have to list like all these different independent retailers. Usually it's two or more. Um, but there is this thing called Drizzly. Has, anyone, has everyone heard of Drizzly and Instacart and all that, the like marketplace? Um, yeah, it's like a delivery service. So um, we kind of combine the power of these ads and we create this kind of path to purchase through people like Drizzly to order now. And it's kind of that instant gratification. Um, one thing you can think about doing if like you're not a larger distributed retail brand is um, just thinking about ways to get like where to find our wines listed on your website. You know, there's different services that you can just list accounts. It's basically updating your sales information. So if someone is in the U.S. and they're like, I do, I really, I'm really into this wine. I've like found them on social media. I would love to try them. I wonder if they're in Chicago. Um, have a, some way for a consumer in America to figure out whether or not you are in their market. Um, I think that's just like one step and you're allowed to do that. Um, it's something you can have. And I do think it's, we always making like kind of, I use this joke, like we got to make it easier for people to give us their money. Um, making them jump through hoops to find out where you are, to purchase, 
um, don't make it challenging for them. Like lead them down that path and typically they will convert. And then kind of the last little takeaways. Social media and sales. Um, do people that engage with a brand on social media buy the wine? They do. And they're more often than not going to buy it again. Um, it creates a loyalty. It creates a relationship. It is community building. Um, so, yeah. So, I highly recommend being on social. I mean, I hope everyone's on social media. But um, definitely get on social media in some way. Maybe not Twitter right now. Um, and then measuring success, this is kind of where, where does like all these impressions, everyone hears impressions, awareness, engagement, creating demand, purchase intent, leading to them to convert. This is what we call the funnel, like, right? Like if you're creating awareness, you have people engaging, if you're going down that funnel, you are going to create that demand, you are going to create purchase intent, and ultimately people will seek out your brand. And I think that all of that can be done, and we've shown and proven it can be done in a social digital environment. Um, so I do think the opportunity kind of continues to be endless. Um, like I said, in, if, you've, if I'm back in, in a year or if in even six months, this presentation will definitely be updated um, because it changes sometimes in a weekly or monthly basis. Um, so yeah, you got to stay on your toes, um, read those articles, um, practice strategy, play around with stuff, test things out, um, carve out a tiny budget. But those are the three, the four C's, consumer, content, community, conversion. Make the Italian dream a reality. Like, be, just be who you are. Who you are is enough. Um, you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. Um, consumers are open to a wide array of, like, wines, types of wines, varieties. Particularly a younger consumer is more willing to try less traditional wines and less traditional varieties. So don't shy away from that either. I think, like, I have to put up one of those, like, either Chardonnay or Cabernet Sauvignon. Like there is an audience for everything. And I think that's really important to remember. And then, yeah, if you even 500 euros, promote your content, um, start small, start focused um, and see how it goes. For what I know, um, you know, we have to, of course, build awareness about our projects. Uh, we have to develop contents, but the most challenging part, and sometimes is some, we don't stress this enough, is to build the audience. Mm -hmm. Our social media, I mean, I can post every day, but if there are only 100 people following and it's not growing, one not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you said that paid uh, advertisement can help to expand this. What's the best strategy, in your opinion, to kind of manage this uh, paid eddy um, mm -hmm. in the right way to kind of build this growth of audience? Yeah, I think that there's a couple ways you can build your audience. Um, like, you can do a paid, there's a paid strategy to essentially just reaching more people. So what I like to call it, it's like a boost, right? So when you're putting money behind a campaign, you're essentially just putting a little bit more muscle behind it. So you you do build that audience out. You, you choose that. And that's why I think it's, it's okay to start small. Like, if you don't know where to start, like, fo stay focused. You know, like, maybe you just want to boost within your own community, like your own followers. Because like I said, unfortunately, with organic content, even if you have a million followers, sometimes less than 3% of them are actually seeing your content. It's just the way the algorithm works. And we can't, you will not win against that. I don't have fairy dust to sprinkle that says like, we can beat it, guys. Like, that's, the government might be able to, but I definitely cannot. That being said, but like, yes, doing sponsored content is one thing, but I also think working with content partners on those different platforms is another way to reach a new audience. So if you see a content producer and you're like, wow, I really like his or her content, I think this would really 
resonate with my kind of core audience. Like we have some like-minded ideas around wine. Um, they seem to have a really engaged wine audience. Like just reach out to them and just be, and see what it would be like to work with them. Because like I said, like they have a built-in audience, right? That's a built-in consumer base. Um, that can be a really good way to also grow your audience. And that's where, that's why I don't pay attention to followers anymore. Cause I think that you can reach people and your followers can stay 500 and you can reach thousands of people, even millions of people in a given year through all these other ways to engage audiences, be that through paid cert or paid strategy, be that through content partnerships, which is influencer marketing. Um, because there's a lot of built-in audiences that are definitely untapped in social media. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend worrying too much about your followers um, because you can get, I think I saw something we did. It was actually, I think we got like 10,000 views on a video on one of our brands. Um, we only have like 2,000 followers. So I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Gino. Yeah. I mean, most of it's with um, Facebook and Instagram. So kind of the, like they're, they're owned by the same company. So most of our money is centralized there. Um, we probably, we spend a little bit more on Instagram right now, um, just because that's where we feel like our biggest growth audience opportunity is across our brands. Um, we feel like we can, we have a more like rich content opportunity. We can have a little bit more fun. There's multiple different content types. That's why I was joking. Like stories were like the big thing, like the hot kind of piece of content six months ago. Now it's all about reels is the preferred content method on Instagram. So they Instagram. It's weird saying it like it's a person. They prioritize certain content types because that's what they do. Um, so yeah, so we're spending a lot more on Instagram right now. I just feel like you get more for your little more bang for your buck. It's all we can't. It is part of the digital marketing budget. Um, so digital marketing budget includes three things. It includes our influencer budget, which is all kind of third-party content partners. It includes just content development. So if we need to do a photo shoot, a video shoot. Um, and then it includes kind of all the money that we will be spending against paid advertisements and sponsored posts. Um, in addition to that, kind of going back to your audience thing, you can also find like brand partners and do a 100% digital campaign with them. So once again, that's kind of tapping into a new audience. But some of that would also kind of play into if that's a paid partnership um, with a like-minded brand um, that would live in that digital marketing budget as well. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cheat cheat.